Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series. Welcome back to another episode of Hooked On with me, Fanula J, with thanks to Virgin Media Ireland. In this series of Hooked On, we are looking at some of the films of note playing at this year's Virgin Media Dublin International Film Festival, one of which is the Irish comedy drama Be Good or Be Gone. This independent feature is directed by Cahill Nally and stars Les Martin and Declan Mills, both of whom produced the film. And Les is also on writing duties, so it's safe to say everyone was spinning a few plates on Be Good or Be Gone, a testament to the hard work in getting it made and released. The story centres on two cousins and petty criminals, Stee and Weed, who receive temporary release from prison. Stee wants to make a better life for himself, his long-term partner Dee, and their six-year-old daughter, Ellie May. Weed's ambition is to conquer the world of high fashion, thus becoming the new Galliano, but a chronic substance abuse problem needs conquering first. Our Gordon Hayden recently spoke to the stars and producers of Be Good or Be Gone, Les Martin and Declan Mills. The good man seek pleasure, which is good. The evil man seek pleasure, what is bad. Your request for temporary release has been granted. Oh, lads, be good. What are you doing here, Steve? All I'm after is a chance to put things right. That's all. You're too late, Steve. Make a walk. You think I can? Of oh, course you can. I wish I was as sure about anything as you are about everything. All about attitude, isn't it? Congratulations on Be Good or Be Gone. I was just saying to Declan before we started recording, I suppose one of the big talking points of the film is how you guys did everything in your power to make Be Good or Be Gone happen, which is a real testament to everyone's perseverance to get a film made because it's by no means an easy task. But we'll get to that side of the story in just a minute. But Les, I want to start with you first for people who may be intrigued by your film Be Good or Be Gone because the trailer is out and people can see the poster online and it is, of course, playing today at the Virgin Media Dublin International Film Festival and then it's going to be released on a number of streaming services from April 13th. But tell us about the plot to the film. Um, I suppose the plot is about two Dublin criminal cousins who uh, they have four days temporary release from prison to try and make their lives a bit better. Try and, I suppose, um, transcend their normal circumstances and as such and make you know because they have four days to do it as well so it's kind of a limited amount of time so basically my character Steve he wants to um to try and uh, rekindle his relationship with his girlfriend and also he has a six-year-old daughter so it's been a while since he's had a vi- had a visit from his um partner and he, co- he senses that there's something up 
you know, when he when he gets out. So it's it's basically he he just wants to kind of stay in this straight and narrow, um, for the sake of his um, family. Um, and then Weird, his cousin, um, is he he wants to let's say he has aspirations to make it big in the world of fashion. But unfortunately, he has a, a heroin a, uh, addiction as well on top of that. So it makes things a little bit tricky. Uh, there's a lot of obstacles and um, uh, problems that the lads encounter uh, the minute they get out of prison. So, yeah, that's and there's a lot of humor in it as well as, you know, it's, it's a, we, we kind of describe it as a kind of um, a, a dram, dramatic comedy. Declan, to bring you in here on Weed, because he's one of those fellas where he can be the life and soul of the party, but at the same time, he can be a bit of an anchor to Stee. So tell me a little bit about him and what he was like to play. Well, um, he's great fun to play because um, there is a good bit of humour in the film. And thankfully, um, a percentage of the humour is, is relatively physical. Yeah, because we wanted it to maybe kind of not just just be so Dublin centric or Irish centric. So people abroad would, would get, you know, so even if Americans are watching it with the subtitles, because there's a lot of Dublinese in it, well, then they'll get, you know, some something out of it because of, you know, where the comedy was that it's quite physical as well. So that suits me very down to the ground because I love that, like those kind of roles where you can, you can throw your body into it, you know? And where the dialogue was concerned, what uh, Les and what Paul wrote was very accessible. I didn't feel I had to make any effort to, uh, to you know, it, it's always difficult to learn bad dialogue. But when it's, when it's coming into your system very quickly, well, then it, it means that the chances that it's going to be accessible to everybody else as well. So it was great fun to learn. It was great fun to uh, improvise and to play around with it because we had that type of leeway with, uh, with Cahill as well. So it was great crack to do. Um, we shot it in about two weeks, I think, generally, most of it anyway. And um, because you're like independent film and that, you have, a, you know, different set of pressures, but also you're quite liberate, liberated in a way because, you know, nobody looking over your shoulder, no producers coming on because, you know, I'm doing the same with a producer. So it doesn't matter, you know. So uh, it was it was really great fun to do. And also... You know, what's interesting about Weed, I think, is that he does some terrible things and some terrible things happen to him. But I think also the audience has given uh, the opportunity to, to get inside him a little bit and maybe feel for him, maybe not totally sympathize with him, but certainly maybe understand, you know, the more kind of softer dimensions of him and, and of Les as well and his relationship with his, with his girlfriend and that and what he's trying to do. And of course, the, the, the humor just buffers all the all the, uh, the difficulties, you know, and the challenges and, and how they deal with their, uh, their obstacles, <laughs> let's say. But um, yeah, it was great fun, great fun to do. And uh, yeah, it was really, really good. I can't wait for the second one. Les, Declan mentioned there that you co-wrote the film as well. How long ago did you put pen to paper or did you crack out the laptop and start writing? Oh God, it was, um, it was actually based on a, a short story going back to 1993. Would you believe? Um, it wasn't very good as a, it was meant to be a short film and it was kind of a, like a catalyst, a showcase for myself as an actor to try and write something. So it was, ba- it was the two characters, but they were called something else. I think they were called something ridiculous like uh, Dippy and Quacker mm. or something like that. 
Declan didn't know that. <laughs> so uh, so I parked it. I just stuck it on a shelf. And it wasn't until 2009 when um, I met Paul Murphy on a course. I think it was a basic computer course. And um, we struck up a relationship. And Paul was, a, I, I read some of Paul's uh, merely writing. It was a novel he was working on. And I thought he had a great way with uh, dialogue. Kind of very quirky Dublinese kind of spin on on uh, dialogue. And I asked him, I, I had a, a loose force draft of the script already written up. And I said to Paul, would you be interested in collaborating on a, a script? And thankfully, he, he said, yeah, we, we were both, he liked the idea of, of the premise. So uh, it was just a process then of meeting up um, over the next couple of years. I'd do, I'd do a draft, Paul would do a draft, and then we'd work out, we'd meet up and we'd um, exchange ideas about characters and plot and all that type of thing. And yeah, and then we just continued for the next couple of years trying to get producers on board. And um, we did have a couple of producers at one stage, but nothing really progressed in terms of moving uh, the production on. So then, um, yeah, so then I, I felt I needed to um, look at, revisit the script and see, was there anything that was in the script that was stopping us from, from um, really getting it made, produced? So I decided to send it over to a script editor in England um, to have a look at it. And that was priceless. You know, his feedback in terms of, he just broke everything down in forensic detail, um, gone through character, plot, uh, structure. And, you know, it was almost like after, like in, in my head, I thought it was a shooting script, you know, because we'd worked on it for so long. We thought, I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> you know, it's the best thing I've ever written. So when I got his notes back, it was like I needed to have a lie down. I swear to God, I just I felt like packing in, just giving up, and I had to let it just sink in all his notes and kind of try and figure out what he meant. So it took a while, and then I just went at it again for the next couple of years until cattle um, it landed on cattle's lap, and that's really that that's the genesis of how it really came about. Because you've also been very active, Declan, uh, with a GoFundMe page as well to try and get the necessary cash in over the line for the post-production side of Be Good or Be Gone. And people who look at the film's credits will see both yourself and Les are the producers of the film. So how early into the production, Declan, did you come on board, not only as an actor, but as a producer? Had you already been friends with the lads or had they reached out to you initially just on the acting side of it? Well, basically, uh, I knew Les, I think I think I knew Les anyway, like from just being around because I knew people that he would know, like in the theatre scene and that. And um, uh, he showed me the script that had a different title. Uh, I'm not sure if the characters had the same name. It had the title of even the losers and and he he showed it to me and uh he was telling me about his history of get trying to get it produced and we just thought like well let's make a list of directors we got a you know directors i'd know one he'd know one or something and we got in church with uh, each of them and cahill's name came on the list i knew cahill from from i knew Cahill from a call center <laughs> that i worked in like years ago and um i I wasn't sure uh, where he where he felt about doing a feature, and um, so it's just a matter really after that to see how people respond to the script. The kind of you know uh, the instinctive response to it, 
You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And there's a string in his instinctive response was to to just just let, let's just do it. You know, let, yes. let's do it. You, 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 you know, we'll deal with the obstacles or wherever it gets in the way uh, as we go. So that was that was really yeah. I think you know, bless him. Uh, Carl cast the the film outside of myself and and Les because Les just you know th through that uh, weeds character to me and thankfully Carl didn't want to uh, didn't want to change that. So so that was really important to us because we'd had done a little bit of work together. We ran around Dublin in costume, getting our photographs taken working now to see if the chemistry would be, would be good between us because the spine of the film is really the chemistry between the two lads, you know? If that doesn't work, everything else falls apart. So um, so thankfully, uh, Carl saw that and saw there's a spark there that he could work with. And um, uh, he, he, he really brought it forward then, really, you know? Really brought it forward. So um, as was it producer, I never wanted no interest in being a producer in, in any shape or form. But just then the lads would come back and say, oh, do you know if we can get this? Or, you know, do you know, we'd all be pooling ideas for editors or for locations or whatever. And it just uh, uh, suddenly, you know, you're, you're called a producer. <laughs> That's it. Th then you're getting into the, I mean, the creative element of it and the production element of it is relatively what you'd be familiar with. But then you're getting into the kind of, I mean, film is two things. You got to make it, you know, which is difficult enough. But then you got to try and sell it, mm. you know. And that's a whole. That's a business. It's not an art, art focused. It's business focused. When we're jumping around in, in costumes and and being funny, well, then that's let's say let's say that's art. But if you're talking about getting it out into the into the market, that's business. And none of us had really any clue. I mean, myself and Les had theater companies before and brought stuff to the market then but the film is just so there's so many departments when you see the number of people in any film you go what's going on like how is what do all these people do you know um but you realize when every department has to kick in how professional they have to be and you know how uh subsequently they are kind of outsourcing other things that you might not know about so this list has grown and with the funded, actually, on that, I counted, we have over 150 people involved if you count all the funded pleasures. You know, it's a lot of people. So suddenly you're, not say responsible, if you were to think, oh, you're responsible for this number of people or, or for this level of commitment that's, that's coming in or, or financial commitment, which is basically the, the you know, the, the deposit of a house, um, you're, you, you'd go mad. But once, because you're producing it, you're just thinking of the next thing. What's a music agreement, Gordon? What's yeah. a, I mean, what, what, I've never seen one. Then you're asked, oh, can you go write one? <laughs> Look, you know, wear me crayons. Like, <laughs> I, I haven't got a clue. So we learned as we went along. And like outside of the, the process of creating what's on the screen, you know, performance wise, it was a great uh, journey of, of um, I suppose, like ex experiencing the, the cold face of what it's like to try and get into the business of it business end of it the way you just explained that Declan I feel like I'm back there with you I feel I've got that feeling of the stress building up and the pressure especially when things are suddenly being heaped upon both of you trying to juggle all of these new facets of filmmaking which has never been your area of expertise before not at all and the funniest thing is if I mean, we, people ask us uh, we've been asked a few times before 
um, you know, what would you do differently? And I think what we do is that we, well, I would, one of the things that I think of is to enjoy every little victory that we got over, you know, that we, that we, we got through, you know, getting distribution or, or, or getting a decent post house or getting the, you know, um, getting, get posting over, you know, uh, drives over to America during the pandemic and it's just not arriving. All these sound like, you know, small little things. But like, as I always say, when you're in the trenches, you don't really think of how the war is going. But I think it was, next time will be just to kind of enjoy the fact that you accomplished that particular, uh, you know, um, challenge and then go to the next one as opposed to be hungry. And, okay, what's the next one? You know, just throw uh, throwing yourself at, at the next thing. Yes. But now, it's good crack, I think... though, I have to say. It's all about chemistry, though, as well, as much on the screen as it is off the screen. Because if you can't work with the post guys, if you can't work with the your producers rep or your your sales distribution PR person, whatever, you know, and that affects I think what what the public see and what what and uh, how many uh, of the public see it. So uh, uh, for us, like somebody said to me at some point, how do you create a business? You create a business right relationship by relationship, and I think that's what it's been, you know, for us is just establishing and been really thankful for the people I have. A bit of faith in the project, you know, um, from funded people up to you know uh, people putting uh, their own money in, um, like larger sums. So I mean, I think I'd be more thankful, more grateful the next time. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Les, just to bring you in here, because this idea started with yourself and you had to overhaul a whole load of notes in order to crack the script for Be Good or Be Gone. And from the conversation we've had so far, it took in and around two weeks to shoot the film. So how has that all been for you? Like, have you had to kill your darlings because there may have been days where we're just not going to get another take on this particular scene so have you been able to divorce yourself from that side of it because i'd imagine there were days where what was on the page just unfortunately never made it to being filmed yeah yeah it was extremely tough now and the first um block of filming that we 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 did we um like in, i suppose in terms of writing the script you have to be kind of realistic and in, in, you know you, you kind of know you're going to have a small budget to work with so you can't have that that kind of um, helicopter chase down the liffy that you may want. So you have to scale back or, you know, explosions and all that sort of thing. Not that the script had that. But, um, yeah, so we're always kind of mindful that we'd have to 
you know, keep it realistic and, you know, in terms of what we could chew. But there was times in the first block where, uh, you know, you're, you're not going to get 10 takes on every scene that you do. But even in some of the, the, the stuff that we did shoot, we'd notice like later on, or we, it would be brought to our attention that there might be a lighting problem. So we'd have to go back and reshoot, which kind of a, a little bit into, their, into our shooting time. But I, I, it, like the, the, the script itself was very ambitious. You know, I think there was something like um, 40 characters or something and a lot, a lot of locations and a lot of outdoor stuff that we shot. And I think, what was it, Dak, nearly, um, I felt like like 60% of the movie was outdoors. So, you know, we were battling with the elements, um, you know, kind of streets that, you know, weren't contained with people. And, you know, it, it was more difficult uh, for a small independent feature like ours. I mean, I suppose, you know, one of, it's one of the inspirations would have been, you know, in terms of making a movie with a small budget from my point of view would have been, you know, you'd look at some Irish movies or um, like, what was that one? Um, Jared Barrett's, um, the one he made, what was it? Pilgrim Hill. Oh yes. You know, I think, I think I read an article he made it for something like five grand. And then there was Ben Wheatley, you know, the English director who oh, made Down Terrace. Ah, yeah, Down Terrace. He shot that in his editor's house, uh, Robin Hill. I think it was over eight days. Yeah, and I think I think he took out a, a bank loan for about five grand. But he had, like, you know, a small cast and crew, and it was set in the one house. We had a similar budget, but we had about, I don't know, 40 actors, right? Tons of locations. So we were just crazy, like, to think... When we think back now, and um, like, could you could you make the movie now, uh, as we did a few years ago, on the same budget? Saying, like, you wouldn't get out out of bed, you know. It would just kind of traumatize you if you thought about it. And we just kind of naively went at it, you know. We just kind of said, right, let's do it for this amount of money, and we'll just keep going. Every obstacle, every challenge that we encountered, we just seemed to meet it head on. Do you think maybe just maybe the fact that. The experience from a producer's point of view that because you went in with such a lack of experience in that area that it allowed you to push forward more so than maybe if you had a lot of experience in a producer seat that you would have thought well I just think that that's a bit of a dead end there but because you went in with this lack of experience you don't know what the end game is going to be that you're going to just persevere and maybe push for like getting music clearance on certain um, songs that could have uh, kind of gone nowhere but you pushed and pushed and pushed until you got it and that was all through the fact that actually on this account maybe the lack of experience may have helped absolutely i think if we if we had a produce like a top producer on board he'd probably say look you can't do it for this you can't do it. you know you we'd have too many uh restrictions placed upon ourselves by some other maybe producer but the fact that we were kind of we we kind of fell into the producer role by accident I think there was a certain naivety there that helped us yeah. in some ways, you know. It's also down to the script, of, though, as well, though, isn't it? Because huh? if, if, if your initial response to the script is something that's, you know, not non-conceptual, that's just something you kind of, for want of a better word, feel, well, then when the when the, the challenges come and whatever they be or whatever level of production, you kind of, you don't want to betray that feeling that you had that you're, kind of, you're compelled to make the film. 
you know, that, you know, when, when it gets difficult and you're, you're pulling your hair out or, or, or whatever. And I'm, I'm sure that's the same that, you know, if it's a $50 million budget or, or whatever, there's still going to be challenges. They still have to yeah. keep the accountant within the books and all that kind of thing. So um, I think if, if the script is there and uh, your response to it is something that's like deep inside yourself in your, in, the, in your gut, but I think at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to sleep just because you can't, you know, uh, you know, f- get what, you know, s- some challenge sorted or, you know, uh, or, or a location comes down or, a, um, you know, or s- some forms are taking ages to come back or insurance or things like that. You know, you're, you're going to, you're not, well, I wouldn't be able to sleep, <laughs> you know, knowing that, is that the thing that's going to stop us making this? No, no, yeah. no. You know, no these, the, no I suppose the, the problems we would have encountered, you know, we didn't know they were coming. So we just, we'd be, we'd meet them every day, you know, to be, it's somebody described, it's like putting out fires on a, mm. you know, each day you put out fire, another one starts, keep on, you keep on going until you get to the end. Is that tough though, bearing in mind that you are taking on multiple different roles within the process of making be good or be gone because your head is trying to be in a scene and then you're worried about what is going on behind the scenes and let's be honest you're also working with an untested director to a certain degree i know declan you mentioned that you knew kyle from your time working in a call center but can i ask you both about the worry that you had behind the scenes and how everything was ticking along and then working with this untested director to a certain degree. Um, well, I, 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 as an actor, this would have been the biggest part that I've ever played. You know, I would have done short films and one-line parts here and there over the years, but it was also the challenge of playing a lead part in a film, which I'd never done. And then also being an on-the-ground producer, I found, like, tough, really tough, because you'd be doing the scene, and then you'd have one of the crew coming over saying, look, we didn't get... Um, the insurance company's just been on a certain email, didn't reach them, um, you know, and then you'd be, there'd be constant worries. But I guess, you know, you, you, you deal with the problem, step back in, do the scene, and then you deal with the other problems later on. So it was kind of that process. Um, but yeah, it was, it was slightly exhilarating though at the same time because and it, the excitement, the adrenaline of just, you know, each day, one thing was feeding the other, you know, um, but you kind of, you knew, I think with the crew and the cast that we had and everyone was pulling in the, in the right direction and everyone believed in the script that no matter what sets of problems or obstacles we encountered, uh, there was always a solution at the end of the day. Um, mm. And we always got over it because I think, I think though, as, as well, you're uh, sorry, couldn't cross your legs. There's one thing that you mentioned about uh, pressure and that, when all those things are going to happen in, you know, outside of action and cut, when it comes to action, that actually forces you to a large degree to be, you use that energy and that forces you to be so focused. Mm. You know, it, it actually, I, I remember feeling there was one, there was a quite an emotional scene we had to do at some point on a Wednesday morning, I think it's say Wednesday morning, but the Wednesday afternoon we lost location so Kyle goes, oh, we'll do that one we're going to do tomorrow. And I go, no, because I would have spent a night thinking about it. You know, we're going to I'll, I'll, you know, have to cry, all that kind of stuff. No, no, we're going to do it now. So I had no time to think. So it probably turned out better than if we had been intellectualizing it. Yeah. 
conceptualizing it, trying to maybe, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, con be con more contrived, maybe, you know, as opposed to just, no, you got to throw him against the wall and he's got to start crying. Okay. And you got to do it now. And the immediacy of that, I think the energy of it, maybe because of the nervousness of it, all that type of stuff, I think it fed into the scene. So it was a blessing instead of a, um, something that was, you know, uh, a hurdle in, in, in ways, you know. I mean, I, I've, uh, I, I did another uh, feature years previous to that where the director was playing the actor. We're doing Merchant of Venice, I played Antonio, and the director was playing uh, Shylock, you know. And I was thinking, Jesus, what's this going to be like, you know, because it's verse, blah, blah, blah. How do you keep it visually interesting? And when he was um, in front of the camera, he just came into this kind of Zen type of mode because the character called for that to be a little bit slower than everybody else, a little bit more ponderous. And the character helped him, you know, but also the other stuff, I think it just made him focus and there was a certain calm. And that, I think that was uh, true for a lot of Cahill as well, for a lot of Cahill's work in the film as well, that all the madness going on and then suddenly we've got to do this. So everybody's got to be focused. You got one chance. You know, there's something theatrical about it in a way. You've got one chance to go out and do it. You know, is it gonna, is the gun gonna fire or not? So there's a certain amount of uh, focus going when you know that you've got half a day, you know, that you could possibly, you know, be a little bit more, have a different energetic approach to it. But Cal just would go into, you know, be quite calm and off we go. So those things, you know, uh, hindsight can, you know, or beforehand, can feel like obstacles or hurdles, but they're, they, they can be very helpful, you know, to focus you. People are now going to get to see Be Good or Be Gone at the Virgin Media Dublin International Film Festival. Les Declan, it's testament to your hard work that you got it onto the festival programme. Congratulations. And then people will be able to rent and buy it come mid-April. So it's finally out there. You've got the distributor, Random Media. They're behind it now. How is all of this sitting with you that the film is out there and the fact that it is premiering at the Virgin Media Dublin International Film Festival? completely surreal you know when we were starting out years ago that i suppose for me the highlight would have been getting it into diff you know because yeah it's just i think when you're starting out making it like and it's just you know fairly small budget and you know you have modest expectations you know it's, it was like a dream come true now getting into diff and it's, it's almost like it's come full circle because we've we've spent a bit of time doing the uh, festival circuits in in, in places like america um Canada so it's almost like it's coming home in some ways to Dublin and this is the end of our festival journey and uh like I can only thank Grania Humphreys I can't thank her enough for really believing in the film you know getting behind it so it's it's fantastic and it's going to push it out to a, a wider audience the fact that we're online it's going online so I mean, it would have been great to walk the red carpet and do all that type of thing. But at the same time, you know, you can't, it's, it's, it's great to just know that it's going to open down the country. People get to see it. Well, gentlemen, we wish you well with Be Good or Be Gone. It's a fantastic success story. Les Martin, Declan Mills, thank you so much for your time. And I really look forward to seeing what you're going to do next. Just before I let you go, will we see this team working together again? Do you think there will be another opportunity? Um, I hope so, yeah. I think... Um... Cattle and Deck got a few things in the pipeline. So um, I think we're going to keep... Uh, it's a nice working relationship. We get on well together. 
Um, so I'd like to think so. <laughs> Great stuff. Very good. You old tease, Les. Thank you so much. Les Martin, Declan Mills, a real pleasure to talk to you both about Be Good or Be Gone. Thanks. You're not still knocking around with that correct name. He's me cousin, man, you know. You have to have a focus, man. Yours would be? Street clothes. Fashion. Fashion, exactly, yeah. You reckon even with the stripe, they go on my chains now, yeah? Absolutely. Where's the weed, fella? Don't tell me. I'll mooch him for one final score, I suppose, yeah? You'd raise over or out, that lad. I want to know where he is and what he's doing. Stay out of my way. We're done. No, we make those decisions, not you. Find someone a sham to do your dirt. Well, if you want to see that daughter of yours grow up, he'll be there. I'll make things right. For the three of us, I will. I swear, I promise if I make things right. It will kill the woolly that, huh? What? You're battered by a bird. You see the look in her eye? And she hit me with a bleeding shield. Yeah, did you get the make? And the booting. Dalmatian, I think. Could have been a zebra, but definitely Laboon. Les Martin and Declan Mills there, the stars and producers of the Irish independent comedy drama Be Good or Be Gone, which screens at Virgin Media Dublin International Film Festival on March 4th and will be available to rent and buy from April 13th. For more details, log on to diff.ie. That's D-I-F-F dot On our next podcast, we'll be talking to Emile Hirsch, Halloween star Andy Matichak, and Irish writer and director Ivan Kavanagh about their new horror film, Sun. You don't want to miss that. This podcast was sponsored by Virgin Media Ireland and is produced by Gordon Hayden. For me, Fanula J, I'm looking forward to chatting to you again on the next Hooked On. This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.